From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is Crosswalk. With peace. Peace. It's a nice word and an even nicer sentiment. Here at Christmas time, the idea of peace is mentioned a lot, but these days there doesn't seem to be much peace on earth. What's the answer? Is peace even possible? And if so, where is peace to be found? With Hello, Merry Christmas, and welcome to Crosswalk. We're so glad you've joined us for this special Christmas message from Pastor Clay. There doesn't seem to be much peace on earth these days. The world is in an uproar, men and women's lives are unsettled, and peace sounds more like a pipe dream than a reality. But as you'll hear today, peace peace is the missing peace that all of us need. Now here's Pastor Clay with our Crosswalk Christmas message. Hey, uh, do you guys, any guys like to do uh, puzzles? You like putting puzzles together? Yes, some people love doing puzzles. Cindy loves doing puzzles. Uh, she does, and, and she's, she's good at it. I mean, she's, she's done some hard ones, man. I, mean, she's, uh, I can't stand doing them. I, I, I know that sounds kind of harsh, but I... I just don't enjoy trying to figure out how all those pieces fit together. I, it's just not something that I enjoy doing. But hey, the, the, the finished product, the picture that you see, whatever it is that you see at the end, that, uh, when you get to see that, that's pretty cool, isn't it? To get to, to see the finished product, the, the, what the puzzle looks like when it's complete. Speaking of puzzles... Uh, we are living in some puzzling times. Uh, we are living in some turbulent times. I, I think we could probably pretty much all agree uh, with that. 2017 will go down as probably uh, one of the strangest, craziest, angriest uh, years in, in history, at least in, in the history of our our nation. And... Uh, it, it seems like everybody's mad at somebody. I mean, everybody's mad at somebody, it seems like. The, the Democrats and the Republicans can't agree on anything. The Russians are to blame for everything. The North Koreans want to nuke pretty much everybody. By Wikipedia's count, if I count it correctly, by Wikipedia's count, there have been 61 armed conflicts around the world in 2017 that they recognize 61 armed conflicts that doesn't even that doesn't even count gang violence and family and and marriage issues that that can wreck and destroy lives and and as a result of that and a lot more people are stressed out Burnt out, bummed out, and, and just plain out. Some of you are like, yeah, that's where I am. A, a lot of people are, are over-agitated, over-medicated, and just plain over it. I think I've asked this question before in 2017. But what in the world is going on? 
in our world, when nothing seems to make sense and everybody's, everybody is trying to solve a puzzle, this puzzle called life, and finding out how to fit all the pieces together so that in, at some point in my life, <laughs> and this is what most people are like, I'm still waiting for it, but at some point in my life, we reach this point where all the pieces fit together and I'm able to live some sort of half normal, half sane life. Everybody, and I do mean everybody, from Pakistan to Afghanistan to Disneyland, everybody, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Protestant, Catholic, Jew, Muslim, rich, poor, everybody, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of educational background, regardless of how many followers you have on Twitter or friends you have on Facebook, everybody is looking for some sense of normality to their life. They're looking for something that puts all of the pieces together so that it makes sense. And listen, if you're a puzzle putter together person, have you ever begun to put a puzzle together and be almost finished with it and come to the realization that you're missing a piece? Has that ever happened to you? And, and, and you're like, is there some psycho, wacko, puzzle factory worker man out there that's intentionally leaving pieces of the puzzle out just to drive me insane? <laughs> In the puzzle of life, there is one very big problem. Huge, huge, <laughs> huge. One, very, there's a piece of the puzzle missing. And I'm here to inform you this morning that this Christmas Eve morning, that the, that peace, P-E-A-C-E, peace is the missing piece in the puzzle of life. Peace is the missing piece in the puzzle of life. Saray just read the story to you a few moments ago. Here's some things that you need to know about this story this morning. The Christmas story is about peace with God. It's about peace with God. If you're familiar with the Christmas story, then you, you probably know that the Israelites, the nation of Israel, had been waiting for their deliverer for at least a thousand years. Really, the, the promise goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when God promised Satan in Genesis chapter 3 after he caused Adam and Eve to sin, led them into sin. In Genesis chapter 3, God promised Satan that someday he was going to send the one that would crush Satan's head. The promise really goes all the way back to the very beginning. 700 years before the time that Sarai just read about, 700 years before that time, the prophet Isaiah had promised that this virgin would give birth to this child and that this child would be called Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I don't, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but that, it's, it, it, it's hard to understand how you put those pieces together. 
outside of a Christian context, how do you make sense of that? Mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no, in, no end to the increase of his government or of, say it, peace. No end to his government or of peace. And through the years, listen, the, the Israelites, they had been conquered by this people and they had been conquered by that people and they'd been oppressed in this way and oppressed in that way and they had been abused and misused and they, they had had people come and raid from them and people carried them off into captivity. And through all of those things, they never, they never let go of the promise. They never let go of the promise that the prophets, not just Isaiah, but multiple prophets had said down through the years that God someday was going to keep his promise, that God was going to send a deliverer. But listen, there were some things about God's promise that, that quite honestly, they didn't understand. And, and, and if we could place ourselves in that time period, we probably wouldn't understand it either. See, it's, it's a lot, I'll just be honest with you, it's a lot easier for us as Revelation was progressive and we can look back and we say, oh, now I see what God meant when he said that. They, they, didn't, they didn't have that luxury, right? They're just living in that moment of, of just, mm, 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 mm. and the prophet said, oh, but, but God sent in a deliverer. And so there were some things they didn't understand about the promise. And one of the things almost certainly that they didn't understand was that there was going to be this humble arrival, Listen, everything about this text in Luke 2 that Saray read, everything about this text screams humility. And, and, and I don't know if y'all have noticed this or not, but kings do not arrive in this fashion. Kings are not told there's no room for you in the end. I've said it before, but Mary was a, was a nobody from nowhere. Rulers just aren't treated this way. Rulers aren't born in stables. But you see, that's who God is. That's what God does. He comes to us in humble means. And the reason he comes to us in humble means is because he didn't come to rule. He came to rescue. That's, they didn't understand that's what the Israelites missed. And people still miss it today. He didn't come to rule. He came to rescue. Now, this time, the next time he comes is a whole different story. Okay. But this story is about a rescue mission. You see, the, the Israelites were worried about uh, the Romans. That, that was the latest people that were oppressing them. And they were ruthless and they were brutal. And they didn't understand it, but, but the Israelites had, had a whole lot bigger fish to fry. They, ha they had a whole, bigger, whole lot bigger issue than the Roman government. You see... They were in captivity to sin. And sin was even more ruthless, even more destructive than, than the Romans could ever think about being. And so here comes God in this, on this humble rescue mission. And here's something else they didn't understand about it. it, it this, this humble arrival. What they didn't understand also was this humble announcement that he would come in such a humble way is mind-blowing, but then to, to announce in such a humble way. Because, right? I mean, have y'all, some of y'all younger couples, y'all have done this, right? We, we, nobody, we weren't smart enough in our day when we were raising kids to think of this. But nowadays, lots of people do these gender reveal parties, right? These gender reveal parties. 
And it's like uh, everybody's got to come up with some super clever or creative way to reveal what the gender of your child is going to be, right? Some of, y'all, some of y'all, you've seen this, right? Don't look at me blank stares. Some of y'all have done this, right? Yes. It's okay. I, it's not a sin. I'm not going to condemn it, <laughs> right? It's okay. But th- th- that's this creative way. And, of course, then the birth of the child has to be announced as well. And that can usually be a pretty big deal, especially... If the child is a king, right? I mean, you're going to make sure that the, that the most powerful, the most important, the most popular, the most people, the people with the most influence, with the greatest standing in the community, surely you're going to make sure if anybody's going to know about this birth of this newborn king, you're going to make sure that those people know first. So what was God thinking when he takes this message first to shepherds? Shepherds! I don't know if you know this or not, but (laughs) they're about as low as you could get on the social ladder of their day. They were usually poor, almost always smelly. And just not the people that you would think would be the first ones that this, this announcement of the king of kings coming into the world, that this would be the first people that he would bring this announcement to. But you see, that's what they didn't understand. They didn't understand it then, and they still don't understand it now. This humble announcement, here's why it was humble announcement, because he didn't come to a few, he came to all. He didn't come just to the high and mighty. He didn't come just to the rich. He didn't come just to the white or the black or the pink polka dotted. He didn't come to just those that, that, that could speak mildly. He, he came for all. He came to all, not just a few. And they, they didn't understand that. You see, and you've, maybe you've heard this phrase, people talk about Israel being this chosen people. They were chosen, God's chosen people. Because God had a, had a specific purpose for the nation of Israel, but his, his gift was intended for the whole world to open. It was for everybody. A few years ago, I was in a hut in Africa, and, uh, and the whole family, and there was, there was a lot of them, the whole family was gathered in this little thatched roof, round cow manure and mud-walled hut. And I'm sharing through an interpreter uh, this, this grace gift called Jesus. I'm sharing it with these people. And if you've, if you've ever been to a place like that, sometimes it, for us Americans, it can be very strange. Everything can be strange about it. But when you finish sharing the message of Jesus and, and you, you invite, you, you, you say to a person, if you understand this, would you like? God's gift of eternal life. Would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? And when you see every hand in the hut go up, you're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you must have misunderstood. Let, let, let me back up and, and go through this again. But, but we had a glorious time inside that little smoky hut. And, and we finished the family and we said our goodbyes and we departed. My interpreter and I, we started back down the trail. And I don't know, we may have gone a few hundred yards and we, we hear uh, this young man calling after us and running as fast as he can to catch us. And when he catches up to us, uh, we find out that he, he is, he, he's not a part of the regular family that lives there. He's a cousin that lives in some village a uh, couple days walk from there. And he says to my interpreter, 
you guys have to come with me uh, to my village. We have to go back. Listen, he was just there that one day. He, sa- he says, you got to come with me back to my village. He says, because I have family and I have friends back in my, in my village that don't know about God's grace gift. They don't know what God has done for them. You see, everybody needs to know he didn't come just for a few. He came for all. For you and your life and whatever you think and whatever mess you think you have made of it or not made of it or, or whether you think you're too good or, or too bad or too whatever. I'm telling you, he came for you. He came for all. To, so that you and I could have peace with God. How is it that the angel put it there in Luke chapter 10, I think in verse 10? I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for, I'm sorry, for who? All. The people. Romans chapter 5 tells us this. Listen, this, this is why he came on this rescue mission. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. His wrath on sin. We're saved through him. For if while we were, what? Enemies. While we were enemies. Because of that, remember that sin that, that's on the Israelites? It was on the whole world. It's on all of us. All of us are under its influences. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received the what? The reconciliation. Peace with God. No matter what you do with your life, no matter what you think, you can't buy peace with God. You can't work your way into peace with God. You can't, there's no, you can't, you can't do it. So God, in this humble way, in this humble announcement, came and brought this, this rescue mission right to our very doors. The Christmas story is about peace with God. Here's a second idea quickly this morning. The Christmas story is about the peace of God. It's about the peace of God. One of the things that, that, you know, always uh, grabs me about that text is there in uh, Luke chapter two, where uh, verse 20, it says the shepherds went back. They'd seen all this. They, they, the angel comes and says, Hey, Hey, uh, I got, I got something to show you going down into Bethlehem. The shepherds went back after they'd been there glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. They were told, here's what you're going to find. And they go down there and say, there he is. That, this, here's the newborn king. He's born in this stable. He's, he's laid in this manger. It's just as the angel told us. But here's the emphasis that I want you to see. The shepherds went back. They went back. They went back to their lives. They went back to their livelihoods, they went back to the very sheep that had them out there in the field that night to begin with. They went back to those very sheep that night. Their lives continued, right? Their lives had to go on. But I have a sneaking suspicion that their lives were never the same after that night. Listen, even perhaps when life throws adversity, difficulty, perhaps, and some of you know this, perhaps even tragedy, life. It's life, right? Sure, it has its good, but there's a whole lot of bad, it seems like, in there, isn't it? In the midst of all that. I don't know why, but I had never thought of this until I was working on this message. 
And I was thinking about these shepherds, and all of a sudden, uh, I thought of this, the account in Matthew chapter 2, where Herod, if you've read it, where Herod becomes enraged when he, he realizes that the wise men have not come back to tell him that they found the, the Christ child and where he was. They, God warned them in a dream, uh-uh, don't go back there. And they went back another way, and when Herod realizes he's enraged by what has happened, and he orders the murder of every male child in Bethlehem under two years of age. Who lived in Bethlehem? Among other people, those shepherds. And I would say that it is possible, even likely, that at least one of those shepherds that night lost a child in the next two years to Herod's rage. How do you, how do you even begin to go on? In the midst of that, how do you even begin to to move forward when life throws that kind of stuff on you? I'm here to tell you, you can't not without the peace of God in your life. It's not possible. You can function, you can go through the motions. And by the way, that's what what a lot of people do. They spend their time, they're looking for this, they're looking for for peace, they're looking for contentment, they're looking for it in in this or that, in, in, in this Whatever it might be that a person might try and find this thing. And some people, they just, they, they just put their head down and plow and move forward in the hopes that, they'll, that they'll, they'll get there. They'll find it somehow or just keep moving forward in my misery or my discontentment or my whatever it might be. And, and what they don't realize is they're missing a piece to the puzzle of their life. And it's the peace of God in their life. I was reading a thread of a blog the other day where the, the author of the blog was, was connecting uh, the s- suicide and mental illness. And one of the respondents to this article, a lady responded to, this, to what this uh, gentleman had written, and she said, why does, why does it automatically assume that if a person wants to take their own life, that, that there must somebody, somehow be some mental illness. This, this is to her, listen to her argument now. Why is it automatically assumed that if a person wants to take their life, that there must be some type of mental illness? And she went on to say, with all of the craziness in the world that we exist in and all of the, the turbulent troubles and times and all that kind of stuff, she said, I would, I would beg to differ. She said, I would say that the idea of taking your own life may be the most rational, lucid thought that a person can have. That's what she said. And then she finished with this. She said, every single day I think about taking my life. And the only reason I don't is because of the pain that I know it would cause to those that love me. I read that and I, I, just, couldn't, I just couldn't get over the sadness I felt for this woman that I don't even know, don't even know where she's from. Well, what a tragic way to go through life every day, dragging yourself out of bed, un, undesiring to do anything or even be part of the world in which you're, you're in. What a tragic way to go through life when God wants so much more for us. He wants us to experience his peace. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, I leave you peace. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world does. So don't 
let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Do you know how the world gives peace? Do you know how the world gives peace? By the changing of my circumstance. If my circumstance changes, then I'll be happy. If I, if I could just win that $300 million Powerball that I keep driving down the highway and seeing that big banner up there, if I could win that, then I would have peace. I've never won $300 million. I can't even spell $300 million. But I'm here to tell you, no, you won't. You'll you'll live in a bigger house, (laughs) but there won't be peace in that house. You'll drive a fancier car, but you won't have peace. I'm just here to tell you, there's nothing in this world that can ultimately, ultimately give you what God desires to give you, and that is His peace that passes all understanding... Isn't that what it says in Philippians chapter 4? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the what? Say it. Peace Peace of God. Say it again. Peace of God. Say it again. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. You know what he's saying? He said, said, don't even try to figure this out. There's no way to even figure out how you can be going through this adversity or that trial or that difficulty or that hardship or this financial strain or or this loss or this disease that you're struggling with. There's no way to even figure out how you can possibly in the midst of that say, I'm at peace. I I, I know who God is. I know he's on his throne and I know that I can trust him in this. I, I hate what I'm going through, but I know that God's on his throne and I can rest in that somehow. I can find something that I've never been able to find in anything the world has to offer. Listen, Matthew uh, chapter 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, a.k.a. peace. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, a.k.a. Say it, peace. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. In your life, when you say, I, I, don't, I just don't know where it's going. I just don't know what I'm just telling you. There's a piece missing. And the piece that's missing in the puzzle of your life is the peace of God that he desires to give to those who will give their lives to him. One more, and then we'll sing a few carols, and then we'll go. But I want to say this to you. This is what the Christmas story is also about. The Christmas story is about peace through God. All of those wars I mentioned earlier, all of those 61 armed conflicts, all the wars that have been down through history, all the battles that go on in your marriage, all the conflicts that you experience at work, think about it, all of it, all of it would disappear if we just followed one of Jesus' rather wise ideas that he gives to us. Luke chapter 6. And he says, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Just imagine if the whole world did that. You see, it's peace through God. And it's only obtainable through God. I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure the UN does some good things. I'm sure peace negotiations and talking and trying to bring the Palestinians and the, and the Israelis together for peace talks. I, I, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but I'm telling you, ultimately, there'll not be peace in this world until the Prince of Peace is recognized for who he actually is. That peace comes through him and through a relationship with him. Listen, Matt, come on up. I know, I know you can lead us in a few songs. We're going to sing a little bit, but let me say this to you. 
men particularly, if, you've mar- if you're married or if you have been married, men are uh, sometimes guilty of not being able to find things. Wives, do you know what I'm saying? Particularly the refrigerator. I don't know what it is about the refrigerator, but I don't know if it's frigidaire blindness or what, but we just, whatever it is, we can't seem to find it. And when we, when we express that to our spouse and we say, I, I don't see it, there's usually a followed by, and they reach in and pull out whatever it is that we're looking for. There it is right there. Sometimes it comes with a added comment like, if it had been a snake, it'd have bit you. Sometimes we're tempted to respond, if I was looking for a snake, I wouldn't be looking in the refrigerator, would I? But you know what the problem is? It's, it, it's all that other stuff that's in the way. It's all that stuff that's blocking the ketchup. The milk's in the way. The orange juice is in the way. The caviar is in the way. It's all that stuff that's in the way. And, and I don't, when it, it, we're like men and we're like, I, I don't see it. Because we don't like to move stuff. That's the problem with the puzzle of life. God's peace is right there. Come unto me, all of you that are weary. Just come to me. Let me give you this thing. But all the stuff of life is getting in the way, right? All the expectations, all the responsibilities, all the turmoils, all the, all the marital stuff, all the, all the issues, all my own things. All of the stuff, it's always getting in the way and it's preventing us from seeing. It's right there, right there. Peace, ladies and gentlemen, is the missing piece in the puzzle of life. If you want it, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The peace of God is the missing piece for the world. Jesus came in a humble way because, as Pastor Clay reminded us today, he didn't come to rule but to rescue us from our own sin. And the announcement of his birth came from lowly shepherds because God wanted the world to know that his peace was available to all. In the puzzle that life can be, God's missing peace is the missing peace. Merry Christmas, everyone. And join us next week when Pastor Clay brings us the next message in the Cross Culture series, The Am I Series, here on Crosswalk.